Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. All right, well, good morning. Good to see everybody. As Pastor Jesse said, my name is Ron Stegel, and I am one of the pastors on the team. Get the great privilege of overseeing uh, what we call connections. Really, that's Grow Track in our small group. So maybe I've had the chance to meet you in one of those steps of our Grow Track. If I haven't, I'm excited to be here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 27. We're going to take just a moment to get there. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us online. I know I've got friends and family, mountains of Colorado. I've got friends and family that are in uh, the beaches of Florida. So wherever you're at, we're glad you're here. We're not coveting wherever you're at. Hey, feel secure. It's cold here. We don't have the mountains of Colorado, but we got the cold weather. So we're glad that you guys are joining us online. It's going to be a fun morning. So I do want to take a moment, you're turning to John chapter 4 to celebrate a big win, huge win. In fact, I had to get permission from Pastor Jeff because I know that he was excited about all that took place. If it feels like you were just here, uh, you probably were. We had a lot of services this past week for our candlelight uh, Christmas services, and, and really it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal time. We had 13 total services between both campuses, 10 just here at our main campus here in Keller. And it was really incredible. It was incredible just to see. I'm always blown away, just to be honest, just how well as a church we love people. I mean, you guys are phenomenal. I love being a part of Milestone Church. I'm overwhelmed that God's placed me here in such a cool family. But you guys did an incredible job to be able to open up the doors, to be able to serve our community, all those that God sent our way. I know those invites, you had a lot of family and friends. Like we, we had an incredible amount of number of people joining us, worshiping and hearing the gospel. I think probably for me, my favorite moment was is on Christmas Eve. So my daughter, she was doing worship for our children's ministry. And so we had to get here an hour and a half early to drop her off. And so we got four services. So we're going to be here for the next eight hours. We're here an hour and a half early. But I was blown away when I rolled up on campus. I, I, I just it, I couldn't believe how many cars were already parked on our easement, making space and making room for all those people that, that God was going to send. And so here's the big number. We do all that. We do it for Jesus. But here's a cool thing. 384 individuals, children and adults, gave their life to Christ, recommitted their life to Christ. That's why we do it. And so maybe that's you. That's something to celebrate. Maybe you're joining us back. Maybe you were one of the ones that made a decision. You got your Bible. You got your closer book. Man, we're so glad that you're here. And here's our encouragement. Just keep taking next steps. Even this morning, I'm going to share my story and how I came. When I came into the doors of Milestone, man, I was lost. I was broken. I was desperate. So you're going to hear a little bit more about that here in just a moment. But I'm just telling you, if you continue just to show up and take next steps, God's so faithful. He, he can do amazing things in the hearts. That's really, really cool. Well, I do love this time of year. It's a fun time of year. It's kind of post-Christmas, kind of not yet to the new year. We're getting close. Uh, it, it is a fun time because I, I just, as Pastor Pat said, I, I love reflecting back. I, I do. I like looking back at 2018, kind of celebrating everything that God's done. I don't know if you do this as an individual, maybe as a family, maybe even the workplace in your team, but this is a cool time just to kind of look back and, and just really think through, hey, where did God show up? Where were areas? that you kind of triumph, what are areas that you still want to you know, make progress in. So you can look back, but you can also look forward. So when you think about 2019, you begin setting new goals. If you're in the gym you know, kind of business, you're looking good. Your numbers are scaling up, you know, all the memberships, everybody's got goals, whether to you know, lose weight or spiritual goals, relational goals. So it's just a fun time of year. Now, as pastors, we gather this time of year as well. We have a, a gathering that we do, and we're doing the same thing. 
We take our jobs extremely seriously. Like we love what we do. But Pastor Jeff, this time of year, every year we gather together as a team. We eat, we talk, we reflect on the year. We celebrate what God's done. But we begin to hear from him as he begins to cast vision for where we're going. Now you need to know this about the pastoral team. When we gather as pastors, like we work hard. We, we really, again, we, we're honored to serve you guys and be a part of what's happening here at Milestone. But we like to laugh too. We like to laugh. We like to have a good time. I love to tell stories. Pastor Jeff loves to hear stories. So it's a good partnership. And if you have had any chance or any kind of, you know, you know if you, you've walked together at any level, you know that I have a few stories to tell. Now, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's my own bad decision making, just awkward moments that God puts me in. Maybe he knows that I don't have a lot to say. So whatever I need to say needs to be funny. I don't know what the plan is. But I just thought there's certain stories that get repeated multiple times because Pastor Jeff loves to hear them. So I just thought before we get started in John chapter 4, I don't get many opportunities. I, like, I don't want to keep this from the church. So there's certain stories that just need to be, you know, just marinated, just celebrated. So I'm going to tell you a funny story before we get kicked off on John chapter 4. Our last, at our last place, so we're at 201 now, but at 801 Keller Parkway, so our last building before we made the move to our new campus, uh, the worship center, there was a set of doors, and we used them for entry and exit. But they stayed closed during the service because if those doors opened, light would kind of flood in. It would be a big distraction. And so it wasn't designed to be a, a worship center. It was a grocery store. That's where we came from. And so glad to be here. Uh, but the doors. And so they would stay shut. Now, at the time, my role was first impressions. So I was greeters, ushers. And so I, I did a lot for the weekend services. And so a lot of times I wasn't in the worship service when the message was going. I was connecting with volunteers or getting ready for the next service. And so this particular Sunday, I was out in the commons. I'll never forget it. It, it, was, it was cold kind of this time of year. And I was out in the commons just kind of hanging out. And again, these doors were always shut, these ones I'm referencing. And out of nowhere, man, these doors just flung open. Like they came wide open. Scared me, kind of set me back for a second. And I looked, and I'll never forget what I saw. The most desperate mom, she had her teenage boy. And he literally was just kind of limp. And she was just kind of dragging him. And she was just saying, you know, can I get some help? Can anybody, can anybody help me? Can anybody help me? Now I began to look around. Because here's what you need to know about me. Like, I don't do great under pressure. Like, that is not my forte. Like, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not, our pastoral team, you guys kill it. Pastorally, you guys are phenomenal. I don't like hospitals. I don't do well with blood. I don't do well with pain. I hate being sick. Like, I'm just, I just, I, I get locked up. So she's, you know, coming in. Her son clearly needs some help. I'm looking around. Now, there's a guy named Wade Carroll. Wade Carroll, he is now the fire chief at Trophy Club. He was on our team. He is a phenomenal man. And he was there. And so I was thinking, man, I'm looking for Wade. Because Wade, he thrives in moments like that. Like, he just kills it. He's like Superman. He can just save the day at any moment. So I'm just, hey, where's Wade? Where's Wade? Wade wasn't there. So it's me and this mom and this child. So I'm like, all right, okay, God help me. All right, here we go. So I, you know, ma'am, how can I help you? And I'll never forget I looked at this boy and literally it was like an elevator going down. Like he went white. It started at the top of his head. It began to descend. It hit his eyes. His eyes rolled back in his head, continued to go down and he collapsed right in front of me. I thought he died. Like I freaked out and I didn't know what to do. And so I'm looking at this kid and I feel desperate. I, I don't know what. And so 
it was like subconsciously, like any story I'd ever read in the Bible about healing, I just try to reenact. Like I jumped on him like an Old Testament prophet. Like I'm laying on this kid. I begin praying. I'm like, I'm praying to God. I'm yelling at the devil. Like I would have done anything in that moment. If I would have had mud, I would have spat. I would have like made, you know, went in his eyes. Like I would have taken communion. I would have done anything to help this kid. So I'm laying on him. I'm shouting. I'm yelling. I'm praying. I don't know what I'm doing. Next thing you know, I get hit and I roll off of him and there's Wade. Now Wade has a different approach. <laughs> Some people might call it more professional, more, uh, you know, kind of systematic. He begins to ask a series of questions. Now again, you know, maybe not as spiritual, but you know, like, so I'm, I'm there. Clearly Wade's got it under control. So now I'm just trying to sort through, okay, what have I just done and why? And so I just kind of wandered off. I just kind of walked off. I didn't know what to do. And so we had this little kind of pseudo cafe. It's not as cool as our cafe that we have here. And so, but we had coffee and, and there was nothing going on. It was dark in there. There's a couch and no lie. I just kind of wandered off and I just sat down by myself in the dark. I had a cup of coffee. I'm good at that. And so I'm sitting there and I'm drinking this coffee and I'm just kind of sorting through my soul at this point. What happened? Why did I just do that? And will I have a job on Monday? Like those are some of the questions that I was kind of just, you know, working through. And so I was sitting there drinking my coffee and I, I knew somebody had entered into the room and all of a sudden somebody comes and sits next to me and I knew it was Wade. And so he didn't say anything. And so I just was kind of sitting there. So I thought I'd break the ice. And so I just kind of leaned over and I said, did he die? And he looked at me and he said, no, no, he's doing great. He, he, he was thirsty. He was dehydrated. And you could have figured that out if you just asked a couple simple questions. He'd been skiing in altitude. So anyway, so he was okay. So if you guys know, he's, he's doing great. After the incident, I think they're really enjoying Keystone. That's why I've heard. I don't you know. I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, different kind of story. Funny story. So he's doing great. He was dehydrated. I thought to myself, just to be honest, like, you know, some people might say skiing. I start thinking through over time. I'm like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure he died. Maybe when I brought him through, I don't know what happens when you go, you know, from, you know, wherever, Sheol, where, I don't know where the place, the dead, wherever you go for a little bit, you know, it's like, you could be dehydrated. So maybe I did bring him back. You know, I, I don't know. Hey, it's up for interpretation. Anyway, all good. One of a funny story. So I love telling that story. It's a funny story. But here's the thing. As much as Pastor Jeff laughs at that story, he's probably laughing now if he's watching it's not his favorite story for me to tell. One story that, man, he always wants me to share is my salvation story. He has from the moment I walked in the doors of Milestone. When I gave my life to Christ, it was August of 2005, I'll never forget it, got connected to Milestone. Early on, he just began encouraging me, hey, tell your story. Now, here's what I didn't know. As I begun to walk with Jesus, I had no idea how impactful that would be. But as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus, the Bible says this, we overcome by the blood of the lamb in the word of our testimony. It's in Revelation. Now here's what I want you to understand. Pastor Jeff understood this. I've learned and I've grown in my understanding of this. Clearly we overcome by the blood of the lamb. It's the gospel. It's the sacrificial death of Jesus. We don't wanna add or take away anything from what Jesus did. It is finished, his work on the cross, it's sufficient. It's the gospel message. When you believe this gospel message, he changes you from the inside out. But this verse also says, and by the word of our testimony. And here's what I'm convinced of. Something happens when we begin to step out in faith and share what God's done in our life. The mercy that's been extended to you, what he's done. I'm telling you, when you step out in faith and begin to share with other people, here's where I was, 
here's what Jesus has done, and here's where I'm currently going. Like, I'm just telling you, something happens. So the reason I picked John chapter four is because there's three simple truths. We could have turned to many places in the Bible, but there's three simple truths that we're gonna draw out from this text to help us better understand what happens when we tell our story. Why is this so significant and how can it help us? Because the Bible says we can overcome, we can triumph, we can grow, we can continue to look more and more like Jesus as we align ourselves with scripture. So let me give you just a simple context for John four and then we're gonna read it. Here's what's happened. So Jesus and his disciples, they're leaving Judea, which is in the south. They're heading back up north to Galilee. Now there's a land in between Judea and Galilee. It's called Samaria. Now here's what you need to know. Samaria, again, for a Jew, they would avoid this area altogether. They, they really consider the people of Samaria to be outcast. They wanted no dealings with them. And there's a reason for it historically, literally that they've been in opposition for hundreds of years. So even when the Jews returned from exile in Babylon, if you know your Old Testament, there was a group of people in this land that really opposed their coming back into the promised land. And so they've been uh, fighting for hundreds of years. Jesus is now heading. Now, most of our Jews would just avoid this area, but the Bible says Jesus had to go through this area. And we're gonna under understand here in just a minute why. He has the most unusual conversation with a woman next to a well. And so the disciples show back up. They've left to go grab some food. Jesus is tired. He's hanging out at a well. This woman comes and he begins to engage her. So where we're jumping in the story now, the disciples have returned. They're about to learn a huge lesson, but we're gonna find out what had taken place between Jesus and this woman. So John 4, verse 27, here's where we're gonna go. 27, just then his disciples returned and they were surprised. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of, now we're going to 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Three simple truths. Three simple truths that we're gonna draw directly from this text to help us better understand what happens when we step out and we tell our story? Point number one, it's in your notes. We remind ourselves nobody is too far from God. Nobody is too far from God. Look at verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Now here's a simple question. Why were the disciples so surprised for him talking with a woman? Now, if you read this, and if we understood culturally, if we were reading this, if we were there, and that day, and it, these would have been things that would have just jumped off the page, like things that did not align, did not add up for this day and time. Here's three simple things that you need to know, and it's communicating a point from Scripture. One is, we've already addressed it, she's a woman. Now, you need to know that, remember, Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He's a devout Jew. He's leading this movement where he's calling Israel back to God. He's calling them back to repentance, to return back to the creator God. For a devout Jew, a devout Jew would never be caught alone with a woman that wasn't his wife. It wouldn't happen. 
And if they happen to be alone with a woman, surely they would not engage her in conversation. So that's one of the things that immediately is going to jump out from the text. The second is, is that she's a Samaritan, which we've already addressed. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So they wouldn't have anything to do. The fact that Jesus asked for a drink of water, the idea that they were going to share a drinking vessel together, that would have blown the minds of any Jew, especially, again, disciples, for a devout Jew. She's a Samaritan. They want no dealings with the Samaritans. They would avoid these people altogether. But the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he's there with the woman. He's engaging her in a conversation, and she's a Samaritan. Here's a third thing that would jump off the page if you were reading this, if we had a better understanding of just for the time and, and the location. It's the time of day. This woman, it's noon. No woman would draw water at this time of day. It's the heat of the day. You would either draw water in the morning or in the cool of the evening. But at this time of day, you would not be there at the well drawing water. Now, we know from the story that the woman had some character flaws. She had some issues. She was isolated. She was alone. She didn't want to be seen with other ladies of the town. So it was common for women to draw water, but just not at this time of day. So we see three simple things from this text. She's a woman. She's from the wrong side of town. She's clearly struggling with some issues, some, some past, some decisions she's made. But yet Jesus does what? He engages her in conversation. Because why? Nobody is too far from God. And I love the fact that probably when she walked past that well, she had to draw water again, or she told her story. Like that well to her communicated a simple truth. Nobody's too far from God. No, the gospel, the good news, it affects us all. So I don't know where you're at. For you, it might not be a well. It's not for me. But it is this picture. This picture might not mean a lot to you. It means a lot to me. Because this is where God began to engage in me with a conversation. This is the Denton County Courthouse. I drove past it just a few months ago, and, and, and immediately, if I see it, it just brings up emotion in me because I was sitting in that courthouse, and it wasn't that long ago, and my wife and I were going through the process of a divorce. I mentioned in 05, well, 04 and 05 were not good years for, for me or for my family. I'd made some terrible mistakes. I had betrayed my wife, someone that I genuinely loved, and I sat there in the Denton County Courthouse, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but you're sitting in a moment and you're just like, man, I don't know how I got here. I, I never thought some of the decisions that I made I would ever be capable of. So I sat in the Denton County Courthouse. I got a team of lawyers on one side. There's my wife and her family and man, just, just total destruction. And so, man, we got a team of lawyers on this side. And the only thing we couldn't come into agreement was, was with the visitation of my daughter. She wasn't even a year old. She wasn't even, I don't even know if she was six months old, but there we were. And again, I don't know if you've ever woken up and hated the person that you become, but that's where I was. I was scared. Man, I was isolated. Man, I had great family, a family who loved me, but I'd made some decisions that they couldn't fix. And there I sat in the Denton County Courthouse. But here's the thing. It was at that place that God spoke to me. And it wasn't weird. It wasn't an out-of-body experience. I didn't hear the audible voice of God. But I'm telling you, I heard his voice, and I knew it was him. And here's what he said. You say you know who I am, but you have no idea. And at that moment, I'm telling you, he got my attention. Because I knew, man, I've been opening up doors that I never should have opened. I was searching for things that led me down a dark road. But here's the thing. I knew about Jesus. Like I could have told you some things about Jesus. I knew he had died on a cross. I knew that he had did it for forgiveness or whatever. I had attended church, but I didn't know Jesus. 
And at that moment, when he began to engage me in conversation, I knew that wasn't just condemning. I knew he wasn't just trying to basically, you know, you know, put weight on me for the decisions I'd made. No, he was starting a conversation. And the question was, was I going to be open to the conversation? Was I going to go down that road? And so here's the thing. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've never drawn water from a well. Maybe you've never seen the Denton County Courthouse. But God wants to speak to you. Because here's the point that this text is making. Nobody is too far from God. There's no gender, there's no race, there's no location. There's no decision that you've made or ever could make that could separate you from his love. He loves you so much and he could speak to you sitting here. It could be in VBS, it could be wherever. I'm telling you, he wants to engage in a conversation with you because he loves you so much. Point number two. What happens when we tell our story? Here's the second point that we see directly from this text. We remind ourselves Jesus is what we are looking for. Look at verse 28. Then leaving her water jar. I love that. She just leaves it. Like the very reason she was there, she just leaves the water jar. She leaves it. The woman runs back to the town and said to the people. Remember, this is the same town that she's been avoiding. She's there at the heat of the day because she doesn't want any action, but yet she runs back to this town Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, again, we got to ask the question, why is this woman so excited? Here's what I personally believe. I don't believe that she's so excited that Jesus knows everything that she's ever done. Like, like, I don't know about you, like that doesn't necessarily excite me, that the fact that Jesus knows every bad decision I've ever made, okay? It probably blew her away. Remember, she was like, man, this guy's a prophet. You got some kind of, you know, special gift or whatever. But that's not why she was so excited. What she was excited was is that he knew everything that she'd ever done because we know that she'd had five husbands. Like she's been in a cycle of just bad relationships. So bad that she's had five husbands. The one that she's currently living with is not even her husband. She's kind of like, I'm just done with that marriage thing. I'm just gonna kind of shack up and just maybe try this, okay? Not a great strategy. Jesus knows it, but it's not, that's not what excites her. What excites her is the offer he makes. I have living water. He asked her for a drink. And here's what she says. Why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And his response, if you knew who it was that was speaking to you, you would ask me for a drink and I'd give you living water. Now, here's a cool thing from this idea of living water. That was common language during that day. Here's what living water meant to a Jew or to this time, this this period. It meant running water. So we have a picture. This is a stream kind of similar to a desert where we would be. This is the town of Sychar is where they're at. It's running water. What is Jesus saying? He's talking about something that's basically earthly, but he's trying to proclaim a heavenly truth. You keep coming to the same well. You're drawing from this stagnant water. You're drawing from these relationships that will never satisfy. You're looking for something, but you're looking in all the wrong places. You're opening up doors that you never should have opened. I have living water. I have living water that will satisfy. And if you drink of this living water, you'll never thirst again. He's talking about salvation. He's saying, look, this water, it's alive. It flows. It has power. It brings freedom. It can wash away your past. In fact, he goes as far to say is that if you drink of this living water, literally become streams of water flowing out of you, bubbling up from the inside, leading you to eternal life. That's what she's so excited about. And that still gets me excited today because I need that water as well. I need freedom. I need forgiveness. Because here's the thing. After that Denton County Courthouse experience, I'll never forget I knew that there was a person that I was supposed to talk to. It was a buddy from high school. 
Now, I know that he had made some changes in his life. I didn't know they were faith-based, but I knew that I'd seen some things. Like, I knew that, man, for whatever reason, this was the guy I was supposed to reach out to. And so I ended up calling him. And so we were in this process. The divorce wasn't final. We were kind of in this holding stage a little bit. We're trying to sort things out. There's kind of a, a window that you have to wait for. And so I reached out, and he took me to dinner. And he was the first person that I actually got open and honest with. It's kind of like the woman where she gets called out on the five you know, husbands and the one you're currently living with. For the first time, I actually got real with where I am. And I sat with them and I said, look, here's where I'm at. Man, I'm scared, I'm alone, I've made some terrible decisions, I've manipulated family and friends. Man, I'm, I'm in this process of going through divorce. I've broken the heart of my wife. I was struggling with alcohol and some addictions. And so again, I was in a terrible place. And, and here's the thing that was crazy for me, was Everything I had, again, I wasn't in some, like, nothing traumatic had happened to me. Like, here was the wild thing. I actually, from the outside looking in, I had everything I ever wanted. I had a great job. I, I was a managing partner, kind of a, a, a general manager of a great dealership. I had an incredible family. I had a beautiful wife. I had a healthy baby girl. But something on the inside wasn't right. There was an unsettling in my soul. There was this hunger and thirst for more that led me to beginning opening up all these other doors that eventually led me down a dark road. Because here's the thing I want you to capture and, and grab a hold of. I didn't make bad decisions just for the sake of bad decisions. I was looking for something. But unfortunately, I began going down different paths that was not leading me to life, was not leading me to happiness. It was leading me to more and more depravity. And that's what the Bible says, the wages of sin lead to death. So here's the thing, back to the living water. When I told this to my friend, here's what he did, and it blew me away at the time. He just looked at me and he simply said, man, you've been looking for all these things. You're trying to find answers, but I'm telling you what you're looking for is Jesus. And you know what? He was right. Because I can say now, 13 years later, he's still what I'm looking for. I wake up each and every day. There's a lot of things in life that I can't control, but I can control my pursuit of Christ. And I'm after him, and I'm telling you is that if you're here today, and there's an unsettling in your soul, there's angst, maybe there's anxiety, maybe there's moments that you just don't feel right, that you're searching for more. Because it's not just a salvation issue. This is how we're created to live, to be dependent upon him. And so he's the one that has living water. His water, when you begin to drink from this water, you will not thirst. It has power to cleanse. It has power to heal. It can reconcile. It can restore. He is what you're looking for. Third and final point, what happens when we tell our story? We remind ourselves the time to tell your story is now. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, why? Here's the because, because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, this is Jesus' words, many more became believers. 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Now, I love what the woman says. She even has, she doesn't have all this figured out. Could this be the Messiah? That's what she's proclaiming. She, she doesn't have all the answers figured out, but what she does do is she focuses on what she does know. He's offering living water. 
He's offering water that we can drink from that we will never thirst. Come and see. Take a look for yourself. And I love the fact that literally men and women come, and I love what it says. We believed you at first because you were so excited and the transformation, whatever's taking place. We're talking about within hours of her meeting Jesus. But now we believe in him, not just because of what you said, but we're hearing him for ourselves. That's powerful and that's awesome. And I love that because the time to tell our story is now. In this context, when you read it for yourself in John 4, that the moment, the lesson that the disciples learn, here's what Jesus said. The harvest time, it's here now. There's no more waiting. The good news is being proclaimed. Jesus is present. So when you tell your story, you have the ability to not only grow in your love for Jesus, not only begin to personally overcome and triumph by the gospel and by sharing your story, but now you get to witness God working through you to impact all those around you. That's awesome news. And I love the fact that when I gave my life to Christ... Within weeks, Pastor Jeff began encouraging me, again, tell my story. I started a small group, as crazy as it seems, in the dealership literally weeks before I was participating in stupid activity. Within weeks, I give my life to Christ, and I'll never forget the first staff meeting. We had about 50 employees, and I stood up, and I simply said this, and I wasn't trying to be a hero. I was just simply doing what I felt God had asked me to do. And I was so blown away with the fact that he had forgiven me and that he had paid this price and he had revealed himself to me that I stood in front of our employees and I simply said this, I've given my life to Jesus and I've made a lot of terrible mistakes, but he's forgiven me. And I simply ask you, would you extend me the same grace? Would you forgive me and help me earn back your trust? We started a small group in the very dealership where, again, I was involved in different activity that, that again, is, is totally unbecoming. But you know what? People began coming to Christ. People showed up. I didn't have this thing read or memorized. I didn't know all the Bible. I knew that I'd been forgiven, and that seemed enough to be able to start there. Like, if you were going to ask me about, you know, dinosaurs or creation or, you know, end-time theology, like, I didn't know what that meant. I knew God loved me. I knew he died on a cross. I knew that he'd rose from the dead and I knew that something had changed on the inside and I knew that I would never be the same. And I just began sharing that and you know what? People were hungry for it and they still want it to this day. You don't have to have all the answers figured out. What you do have to have is dynamic, loving, like authentic relationship with Jesus that you're really pursuing him above all else to the best of your ability. And when you step out in faith, it's amazing to see God wants to use us. He wants to use you. This was never about becoming a pastor. And that's why I love telling my story because as I've met people, especially the further that this extends from, people somehow look and they think that, man, you got it all figured out or you, you, know, you, you got a great family, you don't understand where I'm coming from. Nothing could be further from the truth. I know exactly where you're at because you know what? I walked in the doors scared alone, but I'm telling you, Jesus is faithful. And I just began taking simple steps. I began engaging in the grow track. I began you know, participating in a small group. And you never graduate from quit taking steps. Just listen to his voice and do what he says because I'm telling you this. Will Jesus put you in awkward positions? Will he put you in places where your, your faith is tested and that you're kind of stretched and, and uncomfortable? Yes. But if you'll continue to take next steps and listen to him, he's leading you to greater levels of freedom. He's leading you to greater levels of joy. He has nothing but great plans for you. I show you this picture because I always think it's funny. Picture on the left, that was me, and that wasn't that long ago. And here's the problem with that picture. 
It, it's not the long hair. I, I, I like the fact that I did have hair. That, there's a witness that, that was that at one point. It's not the long hair. It's not the Harley. It's not even the little girl that's in my lap. That smile you see, let me tell you what, the smile was not on the inside. That picture was taken because my wife called me, my wife that I was in the process of going through divorce, she called me and I was at work. She was living with her parents. We were separated for nearly a year. She was living with her mom and dad after four, three, four years of marriage. She now moves back in with her parents, had been there nearly a year. And so we were going through this process of divorce and she called me at work and said, hey, I gotta run by the house, I gotta pick up a couple things. If you wanna see your daughter, swing on by, we'll be here for a couple minutes. So I jumped on the closest bike I could find. I went just to hold my daughter just for a couple minutes. My wife wanted nothing to do with me. That's what's happening in that picture. But now I look today, that little girl, she's 14 now. And I got two other kids. And I'm blown away every night when I lay down or when I pray with my kids or I read my Bible. Let me tell you, it's not about being a pastor. It's not about changing your vocation. It's about Jesus and how good and faithful he is. And I'm telling you, he's got a great story for you. And so regardless of what you're believing for, you know what, some people, their marriage wasn't reconciled. My wife, she came to faith in Christ and she chose to forgive me and I'm so thankful for it. So here's what I'm doing. I'm not telling you again, here's what I do know. Some marriages don't get reconciled and if you're here and you're divorced or you're separated, let me tell you what, here's what's not happening. God's not condemning you. What he is telling you is, is that you need to have faith and belief and whatever his story is for you, I'm telling you it's a great story because if you get Jesus, you get it all. And let him do his story, let him do his work. So maybe you're here and you don't have a story. You're like, I don't even have a story. I don't even know what I'd tell somebody. God wants to give you a story. Maybe you don't like your story. God wants to change your story. But I promise you this, he wants you to tell your story too. Because maybe you can't, here's another lie. Don't compare your story. Don't think that somehow, well, gosh, I don't have some crazy story like that. What do I have to share? If you're a believer in Christ, you have a story. Because the Bible I read says you're saved by grace through faith. You're saved. And let me tell you what, for my kids, I don't wish my kids going down the same path. There's so much that they could avoid that I participated in. But if they're a believer in Christ, they have a remarkable story to tell and they should never be ashamed and they should tell it all the time because God is that good. So I wanna pray for us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, help us. God, I pray, Lord, that you were speaking to people, Lord, in this room, online. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. God, we have a story to tell and help us. Give us the courage to be able to continue to tell our story until you return, Lord, that the harvest is here, Lord. We had the opportunity to make an impact God, just help us hear your voice and follow your voice. And God, as you continue to lead us, as you continue to guide us by your spirit, Lord, help us have the confidence we need not to just go ourselves, but to bring others with us. May we be more like that Samaritan woman, Lord. May we run to the town that we've been isolated and avoiding and begin to proclaim, could this be the Messiah? Could Jesus be this good? because you're faithful to show up and you are that good, you are that loving, and we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 